0: pass those around. Visitors, if you'll just put those white cards in there, please. Right, Pastor Doug, you have time today.
1: Before I uh, share the sermon that y'all have so been desperately waiting upon, you know what happens after... uh, this is the third time that we have tried to preach this sermon, or I have, in the Holy Spirit. And, uh, but it's all been great because each time we've had a wonderful move of God. And, uh, but you know what happens after you have not been able to preach what you're supposed to be preaching for a month and a half now? It, uh, gets added to a little bit. So I figured it'll be about 2.30 before we get out of here today. After a month and a half of just meditating on this message, a few things have gotten added along. Before I share this morning, I uh, want to just take a moment. Uh, Many of you know that our students will be beginning to return here in about two weeks. Uh, Freshman move-in is is in two weeks, and uh, we are so eager, excited to welcome our students back and and uh, it has been a good many years since we've been able to have a full-time campus worker out on the college campus. And um, we've had people like Caleb and Emily who have volunteered and they did a wonderful job. And But we're really excited to have someone that is able to be out on the college campus uh, all during the week and being able to just sow the gospel on the campus and and uh, so Talia will be doing that, and so uh, see that's, that's what happens when you come in late. You get you get you get volunteered for things. <laughs> uh, we we had introduced. Uh, come on up here, our Tim, our Tim. Yay! We had shared with you several weeks back that our team has been in the midst of raising a support to be able to be a, uh, a campus worker on our college campus, and uh, God's been doing great things and uh, supplying what He needs. And we we told everyone, listen, we're going to it, we're going to have a Sunday that we're going to receive an offering go toward our Tim and toward his support and everything. And before we do that, I just want him to just kind of share his heart for just a few minutes, okay?
0: Amen. So third attempt at preaching his sermon, I'll try to keep it. (laughs) He said 2.30, so I can pass the mic back at 1.30, and then we'll see. No, praise God, so excited Uh, as a body So excited to just be able to, you know, be out here and love on these students just in my own heart. Um, Ready to launch August. Um, there's There's this prevailing attitude I bump up against sometimes in the world that Jesus is no longer relevant. Particularly to the lost, they feel like, okay, that's something, you know, first century yawn. Sometimes the church can pick up that spirit too where we're like, okay, we have to conform, we have to be relevant, we have to do, and, and you know, the Bible says, Colossians 2.10, that we are complete in Him. And if you know Him this morning, like I know Him, you know that no amount of success, no amount of money, no amount of relationship, no amount of anything can equal being complete other than Jesus. And so our heart is, so the verse for this campus ministry that the Lord gave us is Romans 8, verse 29, which says that our destiny is to be conformed, to be changed, to be transformed into the image of the sun. And so our heart for the young student is, hey, your gift and your grace is biology or art, engineering, whatever that is. But your destiny is to be conformed into the image. Let us make man in our image. And so we're so excited to have an opportunity to be able to let people know. He was talking about Panera. The reason those people are struggling is they probably don't know. So by way of statistics... 31,136 students are enrolling across the street. 31,000. 108 nations represented. The best and brightest from those nations are coming here to learn. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. He's made it very easy on our church. The world is across the street. Come on. So we've got a lot of awesome stuff, Um, just planning outreaches and events and things to just be practical, but all in all, our first job isn't to preach, isn't to disciple, it's just to love, and so I'm just thankful to have an opportunity to have such wonderful people back me, this wonderful church, but more importantly, the kingdom of God backing us to go in to just touch these young lives, so we just, you know, we just ask for your prayers, we'll be keeping you informed on what's going on, maybe some way you could be involved and so on, but just bless God for this opportunity.
1: You know, um, for many years, I um, ministered on the college campus. I think most of you know that. Uh, many years at Georgia Southern University down in, in Georgia, and then I was the uh, the main director of a ministry called Campus Harvest, where I traveled all over the southeast and into churches and helping them to begin campus ministries on college campuses, and uh, time of 8 to 10 years that I did that, I was fully supported by partners. Just like our Tim is going to be fully supported. And the great thing about it is that you know, there, there's a passage in the scripture, how will they know it unless someone is sent? You know, how will they know unless someone is sent? How will they know the gospel unless someone is sent? And so we are sending our ten out on the college campus if you're supporting our Tim, you're sending him out. And the great thing about it is that whatever happens, whatever people that come to Jesus, whatever people that get transformed by the power of God, you are a part of that. You are a part of that. And you're giving and you're sowing into this man. And so um, so we're going to take a moment right now for you to just, as, uh, you just uh, ask the Lord, Father, what should I give? You know? Um, if you are wanting to to support on a regular basis every month, that's probably something you want to get with our Tim and just say, "Listen, I want to start supporting you every month to be behind you." Uh, many of you may be just coming today and you're sowing special gifts into this offering to go toward uh, his uh, his support. So, Father, we, I thank you for this man. God, I thank you for the call that's on, on his life. Father, I thank you, Lord, for just the the amazing things that you're going to do through him and others that are assisting him in reaching these students and discipling them, Father. And we just give you praise, Lord, for just the, the amazing reports and the amazing things that you're going to do in Christ's name. Amen. Now, do we have our ushers in here? Can someone please go? Jamie, how about you just you and how about you guys just get the the next bags, okay? I think they're downstairs counting the first offering, I believe, but that's okay. That's right. You can also go online if you want to give. There is a um, uh, in the in, on the giving page. There's Artem's name, and so you can give there to support him. And then there's there's also Cards in the uh, seats in front of you. So so as soon as uh, uh, we get back here with some bags. Martin, maybe you just walk down. Everybody just stick it. Put it in your hat. Put it in your hat, buddy. I don't know where. There was about three or four people that ran out the door. Here they are. Okay, y'all come on up here. All right. Praise God. Father, we thank you, Father, for blessing this offering today in Jesus name. Amen. <laughs> as we're receiving the offering today, I want to uh, share with you uh, had the opportunity, just want to give you an update. I had an opportunity to talk with Jill and John Gross yesterday out in California. Um, most of you know he's been out there for several weeks as he went through brain surgery. And uh, we've been trying to keep everybody updated on how he's doing. Uh, you know, the surgery went very well. And then uh, several days after surgery, they actually dismissed him to, the, to his hotel room. And uh, he had to go back in. There was some additional ongoing bleeding in the brain. He was uh, experiencing some seizures. And then began, uh, blood clots began to form in his legs, which are not good. So... Um, Things are going better. Uh, they've dismissed him again, and uh, the things that we, uh, the the area of the brain is all all good. Praise God! No more bleeding. Been no more seizures or anything like that. Hallelujah. He sounds good, and the, the main thing that we need to pray with them about is just the dissolving of these clots in his legs. You know, his legs are swollen; they're very painful. And uh, just to, to, uh, to continue to pray, you know, I believe that our concerted prayer, our prayer together, uh, it does great things. And so I want us to all stand up if we would. We're going to pray for John and Jill right now, uh, for this encouragement, for complete healing, that every clot would dissolve in the name of Jesus Father, we pray right now, Lord God, for healing, complete healing over John. Father, we thank you, Lord God, as they have trusted, been resting in you. Father, we pray for supernatural strength for his body. We pray, Lord God, all swelling in his legs will go in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord God, there will be no concern of these clots any longer. And we thank you, Lord God, as we agree together in this body. And we know that You are an amazing healer. We know that You're an amazing God of restoration and of power. We thank You, Lord God, in Jesus' name. That as we have asked it, Lord God, we know it's done in the name of Jesus. And so we thank You, Father, even this week, reports back from them of how quickly things are progressing, Father. And that we just thank You, Lord God, that these things will be completely diminished in his life, so that he could come back home here with his family and children. We pray grace over their family as both mom and dad are away. We pray grace over the children right now in Jesus' name. And we thank you, Father, God, that you would just minister strongly to this entire family. And we give you praise. Amen. All right. Hallelujah. I think I've titled this message a couple of different things. But I think we've settled on touching the untouchables. If there's one thing that, as you observe the life of Jesus, that Jesus was amazing at was touching those that people felt like should not be touched touching those that people were blind to. They didn't see the need. The fact is that in his day there were many. If you go through the gospel and just read the gospel, you find many times of people, the blind, the lame, the deaf, the lepers. I think of the widow at Nain that had lost her only son. And people thought, well, because the situation is... So beyond help, and now is hopeless that she would never receive the touch of God. But it seemed like Jesus was always attracted to those situations, wasn't he? Always attracted to the impossible situations. Always attracted to the situations where they were unloved, untouched. You know, the the whole idea of being untouchable, sometimes it's within the person themselves, maybe because of rejection, maybe because of just difficulties in life, maybe because of just a, a series of things that have happened in a life. They just feel like, why would God ever touch this? Why would God ever make this better? Why would God ever change my situation? And they lose hope. So many people that Jesus ministered to were people that were without hope. They had lost hope. They had lost hope. You know, if I, I think about the, the man that brought his son to the disciples and said that, you know, that he, he has seizures, he convulses, and, and he, he falls into the fire. We know, you know all of that was so demonic. And, and and he had every hope that something could happen, and they could do nothing. But then, when Jesus returned, Jesus restored not only his his mind to him, not only restored everything that was needed, but restored hope to Dad. I think about the time with the 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 Jairus his daughter was sick at the point of death, and he goes and. And and, and, uh, and, and and searches out jesus and, and 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 jesus Jesus is is planning to go to his home and then all of a sudden messengers come and they say it's it's it's, it's too late it's too late she's dead. no need to bother the master any longer. he's dead and what was Jesus's reaction? just Trust, have faith, have faith. And, of course, we know He goes, prays over the daughter that was dead. She comes back to life. An amazing story, but a place where a situation seemed to be untouchable. A situation, a time, untouchable. I think also that the situation of the whole untouchable thing can rest within us. As those that should have the eyes of the Lord and the ears of the Lord, in the hands of the Lord, and we become blind to the needs that are right there in front of us. And we become deaf to the things, to the cries of the hearts of people all around us. We become deaf to those cries. And somehow we feel like, that. Well, what will my touch, will it make any difference at all? So we, so we never step out, we, and we never believe that somehow God can intervene into a situation like He always did, that He can intervene even now today into hopeless situations, untouchable situations from the touch of God. And we just don't do it. We've been on a series talking about living the resurrected life. Living the resurrected life. One of the main scriptures that we, we pulled out of time and time and time again, is in Romans chapter 6. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn there. We should have the Scripture on the screen also this morning. Verse 4 and 5 said, Therefore we were buried with Him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so should we also walk in newness of life. So there is there is there is a a declaration here by Paul, who writes in the book of Romans here, and he declares that because we were united with Christ in death because of our sin. When we trusted in Christ, our sin was nailed to the cross with Christ. Everybody under says, amen, understand that, amen? Well, he declares that as a result of that, we don't remain in death, but we, because Christ was raised from the dead, we also should walk in a different way, in the newness of life. Love that. Verse 5 says this, For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly, everybody say certainly, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of of his resurrection. Everything that we we observe in the life of Jesus, he lived like he was already resurrected. Now that's that's an amazing thing when you think about it. Won't you just take a moment? <clears throat> There's a passage in Scripture if you remember when he goes to Mary and Martha, and that Lazarus had died. If you remember. He had he said, he, he got a report, please come quickly. You know, Lazarus is sick. And he gets there. He waits a number of days. And he gets there and it's too late. Lazarus has died already. He's been sick and, and has died in a number of days. And, and, and Mary and Martha are distraught. They, they keep saying, if you, if you could only have made he, made it here on time. We know that you could have raised him out of his sickness. And it seemed like that, that because he's dead now, there's no possibility. Of course. We probably all would have thought that too, would we? And Jesus turns to, I believe it was to Martha, and he says, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Do you trust me? Now, I read that. And I think, okay, Jesus says that He's the resurrection and the life, and He's not even raised from the dead yet. How could He say that? Why did He say that? Why did He say that I am the resurrection and I'm life, and I live a resurrected life when He has not yet been resurrected? Jesus always said what His Father said. So we have to understand that his father told him, Jesus, you are the resurrection and you are the life. You know, an amazing thing about it is that when God sees you, you belong to him, you've given your life to him, he doesn't see you as a sinner. He doesn't see you dead in your sins any longer. But he sees you in a different way. He sees you as a completed work of grace in him. He sees you united with Him. He sees you seated in the heavenlies. He sees you as a joint heir. He sees the end. And He calls you that. Just as He saw the end and what was, was meant for His Son, that He was going to be the resurrection, He already begins to declare that over His Son, that you are the resurrection. There's many times in our lives that we look at the now, and we see ourselves in the now, and we see ourselves in the midst of our difficulty, our failure, our problems, and that's what we see, and that's what we declare over our lives. We declare that I'll I'll never be out of debt. I'll never get well. I'll never be different. I'll always be rejected. And we declare that over ourselves over and over and over again. But if you can hear what the Father is saying, He doesn't say that at all. But He says, You are prosperous. You have the ability to give beyond measure. You are healed. You are whole. You are restored. That's what the Father is saying. If you're here today and you have sickness in your body, Father God is saying this morning, you listen to me. Listen to me. You're healed. You're healed. You're healed. You're healed. You're, healed. If you're in debt. You're in a bad state financially. God's saying, you're blessed. You're blessed. You're prosperous. You have all you need. See, God sees because you're in relationship with Him God sees through the blood of Jesus. And He sees all that you have been destined to be. He sees that. And that's what He proclaims. So just as Jesus said, every word that my Father has spoken, I listen to that. And I hear that word. I tell you, we need to do the same. Living this resurrected life is that we begin to hear and listen in a different way. We don't hear and listen and observe in the way that we used to. But we begin to declare and hear and say things in a different way, in a different manner. So that Jesus could stand before Martha, stand before an unresurrected Lazarus, and declare, listen, there is hope here today because I am the resurrection and I am the life. And then what does He do? He fulfills exactly what He says. By raising Lazarus from the dead. Because he listened to the Father. If we, as we live this resurrected life, one of the greatest things we can do is just go into the Gospels and just see and observe how Jesus lived his life. Because he shows us what the resurrected life is all about. I want us to take a passage this morning of scripture found in Luke chapter nineteen. Luke chapter nineteen. You know there's so many passages I could pull so many examples from and teaching from, but Luke nineteen I love. It's a it's a story, it's a an occurrence that we know very very well. If you have been in church or grew up in church, you have always heard about Zacchaeus, and you always sing that little song. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. We, you know, because he, he was from Ireland. We, wee little man. <laughs> but I want us to read it again, okay? I want us to have eyes this morning to see how Jesus operates in a resurrected life. Because as he operates in this way, we should operate in the very same way. And we'll begin to see this morning a man that really had been untouched. Had been untouched. But Jesus, Jesus changes his life because of one moment. One moment. That's all it took. One moment. A touch from Jesus changes his life. Luke chapter 19. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. I think it's funny that Luke put that in there. just want you to know he has, he has cheated many people. Because this man is he's only rich because he cheats people. All right? wasn't because of his pay of being a tax collector. All that money went to Rome. Whatever money that he made was off on what he charged extra for. So he was a rich man. He had been, he had been uh, collecting a lot of money over the years. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for, for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead, climbed up into a sycamore tree, to see him, for he was going to go for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your home. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all complained, saying, Look, <clears throat> my eyes saying he has gone to be a guest with a man who's a sinner see they were blind to a man that really needed a touch sometimes you know sometimes people's of people's errors or people's way of life or choices that they have made in life blinds us to think that that they would be touched by god so how we feel like, man? Look at all the look at all the horrible things they've done. Look at the manner of their lifestyle. Look at the choices they have made. You know, and it's almost that you just you. you there's part of it. Is sometimes you, you don't even want them to be touched by God. It's sad, but that, that, that attitude kind of can come up in our hearts sometimes. Lord, they, they, they need to experience the the failure of following you. So just get them. Sometimes that's what comes up in our hearts. God help us. That's not the living the resurrected life. It's not living the life of Christ. Thank goodness that Jesus never had those thoughts within his heart. Amen. He said, but look, he's gone to be a guest with a man who's a sinner then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I, have, I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, and he had, <laughs> I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he also is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save, that which was lost. That which was lost. As Jesus reached out to this man, there was four things that he communicated to him. It's so very important for us to understand and see these four things because it's the four things we need to carry in our heart every day as we encounter people. Every day, that we won't be those that look beyond those that need a touch of God. That we won't accuse or judge those that in our own hearts we feel like why should they ever receive a touch from God. But we carry the same thing that was in the heart of Jesus. And as we live out this resurrected life that He's called us to live out, that we carry these four truths on the inside of us. And these are the four truths as we examine the Scripture here that we'll see four things that Jesus communicated. The first thing that Jesus communicated to Zacchaeus is found in verse 4 and 5. It says that Zacchaeus ran ahead, climbed up into the tree, so in order that he could see Jesus, and, and, and because he knew he was coming that way. And when Jesus came to that place, he looked up and saw Zacchaeus. And he, and, he, and he reached out to Zacchaeus, and he says, come, come down, Zacchaeus, for I need to be with you today. The first thing that Jesus always communicates is that he notices you. There's never a moment, never a time, that he doesn't notice you. How many of you have ever bought the lie of the enemy that somehow God has turned his back, He's involved in other things, but the thing—the very things that you're going through—somehow the lie has has been given to you that he's not noticing it, and how far from the truth that is! How far from when Jesus said, "For my Father even knows and numbers the hairs on your head." That's amazing. That's amazing. That, Nicole, he can look at you today. He says, "Mm, let's see here. Uh, It's 125,682. Here's on your head. I know it very well. Because I notice everything. I love you so much. Now, he looks to your brother, and he goes, "Um, three. (laughs) Where? (laughs) It's migrated to your eyelashes. (laughs) But it's amazing. He... He notices everything about us. He notices everything. He seeks after you and I, and he notices everything. There's never a moment in our life, and we need to communicate to others. There's never a moment that God looks away from you. Never a moment. Oh, my goodness. Never a moment when, man, I was, I was so messed up and goofed up and failed and in my sins that he said, I, I, I'm sorry, can't look, can't look, can't look. You know, won't look. I am so glad he noticed me. I'm so glad he saw that and came seeking after me. You know, one of the deepest expressions of our love toward another is to give someone attention. To give someone attention. Many of us struggle at that. Let's just be honest. As parents, we struggle with giving the proper attention to our children. I remember, shared this story before, but maybe you haven't heard it. Maybe in 15 years or somebody hasn't heard this story. I don't know. But I remember when our oldest daughter, Sarah, was, was pretty young, and she was probably four or five years old, I guess, and, I was working, I was a youth pastor, and I came back from, from the office and tired that day. And I was reading something, and I could hear her steps. She's running down the hallway to come and see her daddy. And so she came, I said, hey, baby. And, uh, and so I'm reading, and the next thing I noticed, Sarah, when she got excited, she would She would jump. She was like a little bunny. She would just jump. Now, she's 31 years old now. So she still, she still gets excited. She j- jumps a little bit. But but I'm sitting in a chair, and I'm reading a, a, I think it was a newspaper or something, and all I could see is her little head just bobbing up behind the newspaper, you know. And, and my thought was that, you know, I, I'm, I'm tired. I, I, I've worked all day. I just want a few moments where I can just sit down and have my time, my time, my time. You know? And so, and she kept saying, Daddy, 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 Daddy. You know, with, with little ones, they never stop saying those, Daddy, Mama, Mama, Daddy, 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 Mama, Daddy, Mama, Daddy. They never stop doing that, do they? Do they, sweetheart? No, no, they don't. And so, so she, 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 you know, I'm getting annoyed by my daughter that just wants my attention. And, and so I, I remember I threw a paper down. I said, what? And she had a little piece of paper that she had colored. And she said, that's okay, Daddy. She said, I, I wanted to show you something. Said, it's okay. And she walked away, and she walked back down to her room, You know, in those moments when you try to go back and read something, and you read and you keep reading and you, nothing's getting in your brain because you're thinking about what a jerk you are because you didn't give your daughter the attention that she just wanted to show you something. So I went back in her bedroom and she's, she's laying on the bed and she'd been crying. And I got on my knees. And I said, Sarah, look at me, baby. I said, I am so sorry that I didn't have time for you. I'm so sorry. You know, I really would like to see what you drew for me. She wipes her tears, and she says, well, okay. (laughs) So I, I... she she colored i i i'm not I still to this day have no idea what it was but she she was in that phase that whatever she colored was in one crayon one crayon i remember it was green that's all i remember it was all green and so she said to, daddy how do you like it i said oh oh that's amazing honey she said do you know what it is i go Well, I think I do, but maybe you ought to tell me, huh? (laughs) So she goes into this elaborate story. But all she wanted was just our attention. Isn't it wonderful, or my attention, isn't it wonderful that Father God never has to repent? Never has to repent because he's always, always noticing you. And I want to tell you, people, there are those outside these walls, if they would just hear that truth, it changed their life. To know, do you mean that God actually notices me? Yeah. You have His full attention. You have His full attention. The second thing that Jesus did is found in verse 5 and 6. And Jesus came to the place and he looked up. He says, Zach, he has come down. I want you to be with me today. I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him there. Jesus called him out of his place. One thing that Jesus does in all of our lives, he lifts us up out of where we were. He lifts us up out of where we were. And that's a message... That people need to hear. That no matter where you find yourself, Jesus is able to lift you up out of that place. No matter what, what place of discouragement, depression, He's able to lift you up. No matter what sin you feel like that you are, you were so you know, you know, chained to, He can lift you up out of that. No matter you know, what place of rejection, and that spirit of rejection that's within your heart, He can lift you up out of that. The most amazing thing, the place, because Zacchaeus never felt like he was noticed. It said that he was a, he was a short man. And, I, I, and that really that word, short statue, means a man in a child's body. When you translate that into the Greek, a man in a child's body. Can you imagine the ridicule, the rejection this man probably went through in life? because of that. And then the occupation that he pursues is one of a tax collector. I think maybe a little bit out of a place of bitterness and hurt that I'll show them. You know, I'll become the most significant man in this town. And he did by 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 you know, cheating others and gaining their their wealth. The thing about it is that for a Jewish man to become a Roman tax collector was a terrible thing. It was like, it would be like you and I today to leave this nation, go and join a terrorist group somewhere, ISIS or something like that. That would be the same thought of our nation. The first thing is that, one, is that your family disowns you. Secondly, that you're never allowed to go into the temple again. To worship God. You were stripped from your relationship, your identity in God. And second thirdly, the nation itself disowns you. Now, not just your family, but the entire city. And can you imagine the rejection that was within this man? And he only wanted to be seen. He only wanted to be valued. But no one around him was able to to touch that within him until Jesus came on the scene. And he lifts him out of that place of rejection, place of hurt, place of pain, and he says, I have decided today I'm coming to your house, Zacchaeus. And it says that that when he comes down, he comes down and, and, and received Jesus joyfully. It was not what he was expecting from this this religious leader, from this prophet. I'm sure he was expecting to receive reproof, condemnation, hatred because of his choices in life, what he chose to do in life. But Jesus didn't do that at all, did he? He said, listen, Zacchaeus, I get to be at your house today. I get to be in your house today, Zacchaeus. And I tell you, when we can come into the lives of people as followers of Jesus, and we can bring that type of truth and that type of message into their life, not only do I notice you, but I want to tell you there is someone that can lift you out of your situation and make great changes in your life. And change everything in your life. The third thing that Jesus communicates to Zacchaeus is found in 6 and 7. It says that he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. Of course, when they saw it, the other people, the, the people of the city, they all complained, saying he has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. The fact is that Jesus wants you. The fact is, no matter what has happened in your life, no matter what you have gone through, and that is the message that we need to carry wherever we go. To people who all of their life they have felt like they were untouched. You know there are people living today out there the all of their life. They feel like they were untouched by mom and dad. They feel like they were untouched by... Brothers and sisters, and by friends, untouched by this life itself, the greatest message you can bring is that Jesus wants you. Jesus wants you. He loves you. He values who you are. You are amazing. You are amazing. And when because something happens in your life, because something devastating happens, maybe because of your own choice your own sin or whatever happens in your life, it never changes the value of who you are to Jesus, to God. never changes the value. It's like if I would today take out, let's say here, $20 bill. I said, okay, how many of you would like to have this $20 bill? Okay, we'd have quite a few hands going up, you know, But if if I do this, I wrinkle this thing up, man, just wad it up, you know, just step on it. Man, it's dirty now. Oh, my gosh, it's just, it, it will never look like what it used to because of what I've done to this thing. Never again. I go, okay, who wants this now? Well, you know, we all put our hands up because it hasn't lost its value. It may be wrinkled. It may be torn. It may be dirty. But it hasn't lost its value. It keeps its original value. Okay. I'll talk to y'all later about it here. I just want to encourage you today, guys. I don't know what has gone on in your life, but God wants you. And we need to take a message beyond these walls that God notices you. God will lift you out of where you're at. And God wants you. He wants to have a relationship with you. Sometimes when we think about living the resurrected life, we think about the power. We think about the healings. We think about the deliverances. We think about all those things that we all have seen and experienced and had happened in our life, or we've prayed for someone else, we've seen it happen. And that's, that's amazing. It's powerful. But I tell you, I believe one of the most powerful things that we can share with another is love. It's like what Rifle was saying this morning. One of the most powerful things that we can share is love. And Jesus was so phenomenal at that, wasn't he? So phenomenal. He was always messing up the religious that had made judgments against those and said they'll never be touched, they'll never have value, they'll never have worth. And those were exactly the people that Jesus loved with a pure and amazing heart. And the last thing that Jesus communicated to Zacchaeus was that he was able to transform his life. We don't know all that happened in that time that Jesus was with Zacchaeus, but we do know this, what the result was. That at the end of that time, Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. Just amazing. A man that was probably so proud at one time and arrogant, the humility because he spent time with Jesus. Jesus transformed his life. Not only was he, uh, you know, according to the law, if you steal something from someone, you have to give back double. Well, Zacchaeus gives back four times. He goes beyond that because of the transformation. That took place in his life. But what's amazing here? If you don't watch out, you lose this really important thing. This man, because of the choices of his life, was rejected by everybody, rejected by his family, rejected by his nation, rejected by what people would say by his God. But Jesus says today, today salvation has come to this to this house and because he is also a son of Abraham. I mean, I can imagine the joy that was in Zacchaeus' heart of knowing that Jesus restored that. Jesus restored the very thing that he thought he could never gain again, being a son of Abraham. Jesus says, salvation has come. He is once again... He belongs. He's part of family. Once again. What an amazing truth. What an amazing truth. When I when I gave my life to Christ, I had no idea the family that I stepped into. The family that I have in this place here, I am blown away. I tell you, I am blown away. But each of you, I'm blown away by the love that I that I see in your hearts. I'm blown away by knowing that I have value in your eyes and you have value in my eyes. I'm blown away by that. And as Jesus comes and as He notices us and He pulls us up out of where we were and He and He and He and He, create, and, he and He brings forth a message of relationship. For you and I. He doesn't end it there. But he says, I will transform your life. So the very thing that my father sees of you becoming and you being, you will become and you will be that. What a great message. No wonder it's called the good news. No wonder it's called the good news, people. And as we as we learn from Jesus living this resurrected life. Today, I pray that we'll take these four truths, these four things that we need to communicate to everyone that we come in contact with people. Especially, I pray that God will bring you into contact with those that feel like they're untouchable. That, they, they, that how can I ever, ever receive a touch of love from God? And you can bring this message that God notices you. That He wants to bring you out of your place. That He wants a relationship with you. And not only will salvation come to you, but He'll transform your entire life. Entire life. Entire life. Let's all stand, okay?